This program is a paid commercial announcement from Jacob Media Partners and does not reflect the views of WPHT or its management. Today's program is pre-recorded. There are so many choices when it comes to selecting the right financial institution. Start with the Philadelphia Federal Credit Union. We're right here in your city. We're also the official credit union of Temple University, and anyone who lives, works, worships, and studies in Philadelphia can open an account with convenient locations throughout our city of brotherly love. Also online at pfcu.com with free online and mobile banking. We're not here for our profit, here for yours. Federally insured by NCUA. WPHT, WPHT, HD, WOGL, HD3, Philadelphia. An Odyssey station. From the Cherry Hill Volvo Studios, where relationships matter. This is Talk Radio 1210, WPHT. It's good news in real estate. If you're a homeowner, if you're selling a home, or perhaps purchasing a home or vacation property, welcome to our home. It's good news in real estate, presented by the Philadelphia Federal Credit Union. Your hosts for the next radio hour, the mortgage mom, Deanne Kitsaris, along with real estate veteran and owner-operator of the Philadelphia Real Estate Class. Mark Cumberland. Your real estate education starts right now. It's good news in real estate. Presented by the Philadelphia Federal Credit Union. All right. Good afternoon. Get ready to laugh and learn here on Good News in Real Estate here on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. I'm Mark Cumberland along with my co-host, the mortgage mom, Deanne Katsaris. How are you, Deanne? I am doing fabulous, Mark. Just Fabulous. Because the market is great. And we are excited to be talking to you every Saturday about real estate here at 1 o'clock on WPHT. If you want to ask us a question, give us a call. I always answer my phone. And I do sell real estate. Some girl, a listener called me up and said, I didn't think you sold real estate. You just did the real estate show. I said, no, (laughs) I sell real estate. It's part of the game here. So if you have any questions about mortgages, commercial, residential real estate, give us a call. 267-266-5501. 267-266-5501. What's your number, Deanne? My number is 609-605-7153. And you can listen to this show and past shows at our webpage, goodnewsandrealestate.com, and also at, good, at WPHT's website. So what's coming up today? Coming up on today's show, we have the market report. Yes. We also have business tips with Asking Dr. A. Our continuing series. We also have Mark's funny story. Got one for you. And we have our mortgage mom topic. Which is what? What the heck happens in underwriting? Behind the curtain. Oh, my God. We're going to find out. We are. We're going to talk to the wizard behind the curtain. (laughs) Mark, we also have our questions. How do I avoid capital gains tax when I sell? Do it quick. (laughs) The next question is, has the solar energy finally become worth doing? That's a good one. Next question is, I just signed a lease this week. How do I find out if the owners are current on the property taxes? Man, they're really overthinking that one. Right? All right well. <laughs> Buyer missed the closing date. Can the seller keep the deposit? Well, that's an interesting one, too. Oh, and we have our topic of the day. Which is? When is a cash offer a real cash offer? That's right. There's a little confusion going on with this. Actually, it got... St- this is an article from one of the boards, which I'm not great fans of, but it's an interesting topic. I'm very curious because, you know, we're offering that cash program or my investor is offering the cash program. So right. anxious to hear what you have to say. Yeah, because there's a lot of confusion about that. There is. But Mark, first, give us your motivational quote. And the motivational quote is, inaction breeds doubt and fear. 
Action breeds confidence and courage. If you want to conquer fear, do not sit at home and think about it. Go out and get busy. Because once you're busy, you're not thinking about all the negative stuff. You're That's too right. busy. That's right. <laughs> I like it. So where, so where are we at? So, Mark, we are up to the market report. And there is the bell. So a major Wall Street firm drawing a strike the parallel to the housing bubble. You know, the bubble people are already out there. Of course. But Blackstone did a, a, a most unaffordable thing about 2007 when it peaked, and it was really bad right prior to 2008. And they believe the crash is very unlikely due to a major difference. Most owners aren't using their homes like ATMs like we all did in the early 2000s, and everybody was refining and pulling cash out and buying stuff. So not a lot of that is going on. That caused so many people to go upside down. The value of what they Correct. earned was greater than the value of their home. Unlike uh, the housing bus, uh, now we have all-time high equity in households. And household balance sheets are really strong. There's a lot of people sitting on a lot of equity because so much appreciation has happened. So, you know, and we didn't overbuild. Remember, me and you used to always talk about, what, 13, probably about 12 years ago. No, maybe 13 years ago when they were building them uh, big apartment buildings down on a river right at the crash. And I was like, man, this is a bad move. And they ended up auctioning them off. Remember all that? (laughs) I do. Yeah. You know, now that's not happening. That's not happening. They're not overbuilding. And you haven't had a drop in the credit or the lending standards, really. And, you know, the buying scores of the distressed rental properties tied to 2008 financial crisis. That's not going on. It's still a major player in real estate with investment in rentals, rent to buy market and student housing. But uh, because you have very little excess in housing, you know, we have little risk. So we're not like 2007, 2008. I knew in 2005 that thing was coming, but everybody was ignored. I actually wrote a song about it. Remember that song? They stole my hat rabbit ears away. And oh, that was yeah, a, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what all that was about. Because, you know, everybody was just spending and nobody knew, you know, was facing like the end was coming. Something was going to happen. People were walking away from the table, buying a $300,000 house, getting a check and had about a grand in the bank. I was like, Wait, you know, this can't last. So anyway, this forecast, we're not in that kind of situation. So with that on the horizon, you know, you see some interest rates going a little higher, deeper in the year, and the Fed's going to have to hike them. But it's not actually helping the the economy at the moment, the, these hikes. So I don't know. I'm a little leery about what's happening with the top here. But all in all, we, we might see houses generally flatten out and not keep going up later in the year. But we're not in any kind of dire situation. So... Overall, we're not looking at any kind of bubble or some prolonged drop in housing. The biggest problem is we're lacking about 5.5 million houses. That's how far the builders are behind. That's all? Yep. 5.5 million. I, did I say billion? <laughs> million. 5.5 million. It doesn't matter. Million, billion. It really yeah, doesn't but that, matter. I, that's point. how far behind they are. <laughs> the biggest thing that is the problem here is this inflation and the this administration is not helping. They just 
propose closing the Alaskan pipeline. You know what? I, I didn't realize. I did some research. You know, the number three, third, number three country in the whole world for oil supply that has the most oil is Canada. I never would have thought that. But, and Canada is the one that they closed the Exxon, the Keystone Pipeline. Huh. And now he wants to close the Alaskan Pipeline. And, you know, I don't understand. And then the bad thing he just did was, for the listeners out there, because nobody's paying attention to this stuff, he put somebody in the head of the EPA to start putting all kinds of new regulations in. So they're, they're shooting themselves in the foot because uh, they want more wind and more solar. Well, they're adding regulations to that. So, like, to put wind towers up, you're going to have to jump through major environmental hoops. And to get solar, that's going to be a problem too. You're going to, it, they're going to make everything with more regulations. The same with the uh, oil leases. He keeps saying on TV, there's 5,000 leases. Yeah, but nobody can get a permit. And without a permit, you can't trade. You can't draw. So they're doing, they're talking about they want to go green. And in the meantime, they're putting regulations on it. So I don't. I I just seen gas today around the corner from me. It was five sixty nine. So I, I'm worried about this inflation, man. But five, uh, what was it? Five sixty nine for a, a regular. not diesel regular. Regular. That's insane. But I'm telling Mark, you, the difference gonna, is too. You don't hear about all these other things. Like nobody's talking about all the cargo and all the ships. You know that were. They weren't being able to unload. Like, did that just disappear? Yeah, well, it's the same like $15 an hour. You never hear about that no more. Yeah, but you it's don't like, hear about these things. Like that information I just gave our audience, nobody knows. I had lunch somewhere and I was talking to a girl and I just told her all that. And she was like, how come I never hear about that on 3, 6, and 10? I said, because I don't talk about it. Right. All right. So tell us about the rates. So the rates are pretty good um, right now. I mean, they have come down a little bit. Your 30-year conventional fixed rate, 5.375. Again, disclaimer, based on credit score, 15-year, 4.625. You have your FHA loan, which is hovering right around 4.875 to five and a quarter, depending on the day. Your 30-year jumbos, you're at 4.75. And then your 5-1 arm is at four and a half to 4.75, but that would cost you anywhere from one to one and a half points. And a point right. is 1% of the loan, which isn't a bad, isn't a bad deal. You have to do the numbers and make sure that it's going to work. Yeah. And if you're not going to be there that long, it has right. to be in the plan. Right. All right. So that was the rate. The rate that are not bad rates. Cause They're not bad historically, rates. historically rates run from eight to 12%. Right. Historically. Right. So when you look at the big picture, but, the millennials, I asked the millennials, did you, I had at the class Saturday, I said, uh, did you guys learn any history? And they were like, no, they didn't teach us too much history. <laughs> I'm like, well, if you ever know. listen to um, Jesse Waters and they go out and they interview people, like a it's simple bizarre. question, like, who is the vice president? I know. They don't it's know. Bizarre. They don't know. I don't know. It's crazy. So with all that, you're listening to Good News in Real Estate here on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT, all positive all the time. We'll be right back. On behalf of the Philadelphia Federal Credit Union, we hope you're enjoying Good News in Real Estate with Deanne Katsaris and Mark Cumberland. The Philadelphia Federal Credit Union, not here for our profit, here for yours. Philadelphia. 
All right. Welcome back to Good News and Real Estate here on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT, all positive all the time. So where are we at the end? So, Mark, we are up to your funny story. So I got one for you. So this elderly man, he retires in Louisiana. He had to move on, and he moved on to this small fruit uh, farm tree with trees. And he was very content. He had a large pond in the back. It was properly shaped for swimming, so he fixed it all up nice with picnic tables, horseshoe courts, and some apple and peach trees. So one evening, the old man, he decides to go down to the pond. He hadn't been there for a while, look it over. So he grabbed a five-gallon bucket to pick some of the fruit. So he gets near the pond, and he hears all these voices shouting and laughing with glee. So as he comes closer, he sees a bunch of young women skinny dipping in this pond. So he made the women aware that he, of his presence, and they all went to the deep end of the pond. And one of the women shouted, we're not coming out until you leave. And the old man frowned. He goes, I didn't come down here to watch you long, young ladies swim naked or make you get out of the pond naked. And the girl hollered back, well, we're not coming out until you leave. And he goes, holding up the bucket and thinking fast, he goes, that's all right. He goes, I just came down here to feed the alligator. <laughs> <laughs> That was cute. Yeah, some of the old guys got some good tricks, man. I like the part where you're saying um, he heard voices shouting and laughing with glee. Glee. (laughs) So now it is time for the Mortgage Mom segment with Deanne Katsaris from Green Tree Mortgage. And her topic happens to be today, what it happens in underwriting. Well, my topic actually was what the heck happens in underwriting. Behind the magic (laughs) curtain with Oz. Yeah. And the great thing, Mark, the great thing about my company is, and we're going to have obviously a conversation later, but with the great thing about my company is that all of our underwriting is done in-house. So all the processing, all the underwriters. So we actually um, have someone that we can talk to, but- Underwriting is a crucial component of the mortgage process, and it really dictates whether or not you're going to get that final loan approval. Right. So let's dive in and learn a little bit more about underwriting and how it actually works. So what is underwriting? Underwriting is the process by which your lender, we verify your income, your assets, your debt, and the property details in order to issue a final approval on the loan application. So underwriting does happen behind the scenes. Um, Your lender might ask for additional documents and answers such as maybe you have some large deposits. They want to know where they came from um, and they might ask for additional proof of assets. Now, the difference with my company is we don't wait till you get to that point. We do what's called desktop underwriting and we know exactly what's going to be needed in order to get to that point. So once it gets to the underwriter, you're getting an approval. A mortgage underwriter takes a look at your finances and assesses how much of a risk the lender will take if they act, if they decide to give you this loan. Right. And the underwriter helps the mortgage lender decide whether or not you'll get an approval on the loan. And they ensure that the underwriter will also ensure that you don't close on a mortgage that you can't afford. So if you don't qualify, the mortgage underwriter can deny your loan. So it's all based on ratios. But again, with my company, you're not getting to that point. So your mortgage can be, huh? You're going to know up front. You're going to know way up front. And your mortgage can be just as unique as your financial situation. So the exact amount of time an an underwriter takes will vary on a case-by-case basis. 
Sometimes it's it can be as easy as two hours to go through and get an actual approval, or maybe it can take two days. So the sooner you get all the necessary documents, right, to the person that's originating the loan, the sooner your loan can be underwritten. So it's important to get all the requested documentation to the lender in a timely manner. So what makes up the most mortgage underwriting process? Like what takes the most out of it? And and the underwriter evaluates your finances and your past credit decisions. So during the process, your underwriter is going to look at four key areas that will give you a more complete picture of exactly who you are. And one of them is your income. So the underwriter needs to know that you have enough income to cover your mortgage payments every month. So, you know, I just, I had somebody, um, on Friday, they said, I want to buy a $300,000 house and I'm going to put $150,000 down. I shouldn't have an issue getting approved. Will I? And I said, well, you know, do you get a paycheck? Do you have W2s? No. And she does nails. So everything that she has is cash. And I said, the whole idea of getting a mortgage is the ability to repay the loan. So there's three types of documents to verify your income. W-2 yeah, like for- that, that kind of person has to have a small business person. This is the problem with small business. They don't have a good bookkeeper and an accountant. Right. Now they should have two, two to three years of tax returns. At least two and, years. And profit yep. and loss statements. Yep. To prove your income. You can't just say, oh yeah, I do, I do uh, 10 grand a month. Right. Yeah, well, and you've got to be able to prove that. I mean, and you know, like we need 2021 tax returns with all the schedules. We need 2020. And then they're also going to ask you for a year to date profit and loss to make sure that you're on pace to do what you did over the past two years. If your and income it- has drastically declined for whatever reason, chances are you're not going to get approved because yeah, and, and some small business people i talked about this saturday because once these agents got a license these newbies you know they they own a business and and you need to do your taxes right 100%. so you um, otherwise you can't prove anything that's like the small bar owners the shot and bar beer joints you know they want 800,000 for their bar but they can't prove what it's worth well and they then- hit everything from the irs so right. now they can't, you can't get have you can't have your cake and eat it too. And then you have, you know, you have real estate agents that are now they're ten ninety nine. They're self employed, and they want to go and buy properties, but they gave up their full time job. So now they can't buy properties unless they get a co signer. But they're not thinking about that prior to. I mean, it happens all the time. Um, from the the classes that I teach, they're like, oh, we're going to go right in. I'm going to quit my full time job. No, you're not going to quit. You got to wait until you build enough income to be able to do that unless wait two years to buy a house. So if you are self-employed, which is what we're talking about now, or do you own a sizable share in a business, you're going to need to furnish a few more documents in lieu of the W-2s, profit and loss sheets, like we said, also your K-1s, you know, showing what percentage of the business you own, um, and then your personal and business returns. So- the underwriter is going to check to make sure that your income matches the income you report on the tax returns and verify your employment situation with your employer. So yeah. I'm going to hit over one and then we'll, we'll finish the rest on the next, on the next show. 
Um, but your appraisal appraisals are always the most important requirement when you purchase a home because they are providing protection for both you and your lender because they are ensuring that you only borrow what the house is actually worth. Now, we know that that's not today's case, right? That they're actually having, you know, escalation clauses and they're covering the gap in between the appraisal and the sale price. So you just really got to be careful. But the appraiser is different than a home inspection. So the appraiser is going to inspect the property. They're going to walk through the home, take pictures, measurements in order to evaluate the condition and the features of the home. And then the appraiser compares them with simple, similar properties by looking for homes that are similar in your location, in your size, and also in the features. And these are called comps. So you need to have, they need to have sold within the past six months and should be within a mile of the property. Unless you live in a in a rural well, area, that's, and that's tough, they can go a year, and they can go three miles by law. But and in, in this market, it's hard. It is. I was looking. I was actually looking at something today, and in a in one nine one four five Northeast Philly zip, there was uh, fourteen houses for sale. Fourteen. I know. So I mean, you know, an underwriter is going to have to go. Looking yeah, they're making little, exceptions. I mean, they have to. Some they of have them to. Are. There's, there's some not enough. Are. There's not enough. Yeah. All right, that was a good topic. So you're going to do number two next week, right? Yep. We'll move on to right. uh, finish that topic. So right now we're going to go over our questions and answers. No, we're going to take a break. We are going to take a break. <laughs> <laughs> so with that, that was a good topic, and we'll finish it up next week. So with that, you're listening to Good News in Real Estate here on Talk Radio at twelve ten, WPHD, all positive all the time. We'll be right back. Deanne and Mark are halfway through this week's edition of Good News in Real Estate, presented by the Philadelphia Federal Credit Union. Not here for our profit, here for yours. When the show returns, more real estate news from around the Delaware Valley. All right, a little rock and roll. So welcome back to Good News in Real Estate here on Talk Radio 1210 WPHD, all positive all the time. So where are we at, Deanne? So Mark, we're up to our questions and answers. All right, so what's the first one? The first question is, how do I avoid capital gains tax when I sell? It's a little vague because I don't know if they're selling their own home and buying another one. If they're doing that and they buy what? What is the number? Single, 250000 couple, 500000 500000 yep. Anything over that, then they have to pay that capital gains. Capital gains is the difference between what you paid for it like say you bought it for two hundred thousand, and now it's worth four hundred thousand. So that's a two hundred thousand profit, and you would have to pay the capital gains tax on that. Now the only other way to get around it is you're buying another pro. If it's an investment property, you're buying you do a ten thirty one exchange, and then you got so much time to find hundred and one hundred and eighty days to find the property. And get it under contract to avoid having to pay that capital gains tax. Besides that, if you're at the point where you're just unloading, which I have a seller right now that's doing this, she bought the house back in '89 or something for 90 grand, and it's now worth like 350, and she's going to sell it. That's a that's a big capital gains. Yeah, she's going to need some uh, accounting advice on how to shelter that. There's one thing that she could do. She could buy into a REIT, a uh, real estate investment 
company right. that buys that buys big stuff, and she buys buys shares, and that would avoid capital gains. But you really need a good accountant advice if you're in a situation like that, because if you're just going to cash out, especially what Biden wants, if that passed, thirty nine point six percent, that would be that you're giving the government forty percent. You know, you think you're walking away with 300000 and all of a sudden now he wants 40%. Thank God that didn't pass, and hopefully it won't. But uh, you do need a good accountant and tax advice on that kind of stuff. But if it's if you're going to buy another house, as long as it's not over 250000 and you're single, which she is, uh, she's going to have some capital gains no matter what. And But if you're a couple, it's 500000 she so she could get married. Get she could get married real quick. <laughs> <laughs> I just need you to get married for about six months, and then we're good. And then we're good, right? <laughs> All right. What's the next one? Question number two: Has the solar energy finally become worth doing? So you know, this is a tough. This is a tough question because I know a couple people. I know you had a uh, one of your neighbors had it, and then they went to sell when they had that lease. Yep. And then you had, you know, what was it, eleven thousand a month or something? It depends. I mean, every company is yeah. different, and there I know because some of them don't even have leases. Um, you know, Marie I mean, Roman, one of my instructors, just ran into this, and it was eleven hundred a month. Yeah, uh, it goes into your debt to income ratio. It could totally blow up the deal. But plus the the buyers didn't want it. Right. Well, they didn't want that. They didn't want that. Assume that lease. And then what's the option? Take the panels off the roof. That means you got to redo the roof. But that shouldn't be the house that you're looking at then, because if you don't want it, you know that go up, that house has solar panels. We don't want it. On to the next one. But this question mark is asking, is it finally worth doing? And there are definitely some companies out there. um, And I wish I want to get one as a sponsor, but there's definitely companies out there that are making it worthwhile where they're selling the energy back to, to, to you, to, to, right. and you're and you're making money. Right. My neighbor across the street was to the, that point. Uh, now that one story we had a about a year or two ago. The guy built a house, and he was a builder. He owned his own building company. He built a house, and then he put solar panels on it and everything. And then when he went to get the permits connect to the public electric. They didn't want to buy his electric, and they wouldn't. They wouldn't hook him up, and he ended up in court. The other thing about uh, solar panels is the technology is changing so fast. So, like the panels you bought like three years ago, it, yeah, it's, it's like the phones. Every six months, mm-hmm. there's something new. Now they got these panels that are the actual shingle tiles. Did you see them yet? I haven't seen the shingle tiles. Yeah, they're, no. they're actually the shingle tiles themselves on a top, on a a frame roof are the solar panels. I mean, the technology is changing so quickly. You don't know. You got to be really careful. Be like that, it should be, but you got to be careful what you buy, and then because yeah. because there's a lot involved. I mean, especially like with the battery storage and all that. I mean, and those leases. Like if you get involved in one that you got, and then you want it, you decide to sell your house. Unless right. that buyer's willing to accept that, that's a that's another piece that they got to pay every month on top of their mortgage. 
Right. So, that, so it's that's a you got to do some research. You got to do you some real gotta, research yeah. on that. Yeah, with P- a lot of different companies. Pico is pushing their thing now, and I'm interested because I have a giant hundred foot roof on my on the convent, and it's in the sun almost all day long. So you could really run the city then. I could probably run most of Fox Chase. <laughs> All, All right, right, let's go on to the next one. Go ahead. I just signed a lease this week. How do I find out if the owners are current on the property taxes? Now, these are people that are really thinking of it, overthinking things a little bit, but they're being cautious. Maybe there's something about this owner. Maybe he's got a bad rep, but you could go to public records because most of the time that uh, taxes are public records and see if he's current on his taxes. Will it tell you that? I mean, it tells you what they are. But you could call the tax office. Yeah, there's a way that you could find out because it is public record. Okay. But like, I guess they're worried that if they sign a lease with this guy and and he gets foreclosed on or something, uh, he's got a problem. But right. they, usually, you know, in a residential lease, the taxes aren't included. So, yeah, I guess they don't want to move into the property and then uh, commercial. You might be paying the taxes. Find out he's getting foreclosed exactly. on or something. Exactly. What's the next All one? Right, the next question is buyer missed the closing date can the seller keep the deposit well there was a date in the contract that this was supposed to close by and for whatever reason the buyer didn't do an addendum to extend the contract once you go past that date that contract's void uh you gotta you're basically even if you do an addendum to extend it actually expired on that date then there's then there's the right. big dispute I want this. I'm keeping your money, and the buyer says no. And then, then they realize they both agreed to mediation, and it's not that simple. And the broker just can't release the money, and now the seller don't want to deal with the buyer, and it turns into a mess. Then they hire a mediator, and they got to agree on who the mediator is, when we meet, everything else. It's a messy question. So you know what? Time is of the essence is in this contract. So. You don't miss date. Right. You don't miss dates. Right. What's the last one? You don't miss the dates. You can get an extension, but you got to yeah. ask before. Because or else you got a problem. If you don't ask, the exactly. answer is no. Um, <laughs> all right. If I apply for a mortgage in my name only, do I have to quote our whole rent payment, even though my husband pays three quarter of the rent each month himself? Do I? <laughs> No, you don't have to quote the whole thing because if it's only in your name, you know, most of the times they're not doing a verification of rent anyway, um, but you don't have to quote the whole rent payment. Oh, good. There was an easy answer to that one. Right. <laughs> All right. Well, that's because I answered. Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> but they must have All like right. two separate bank accounts to everything, man. They don't trust one another exactly. at All All right. All right, so with that, you're listening. What's coming up next? Coming up next, Mark, is when is a cash offer a real cash offer? That is true. That is what's coming up next. So with that, you're (laughs) listening to Good News in Real Estate here on Talk Radio 1210, WPHD, all positive all the time. We'll be right back. Good News in Real Estate with Deanne Katsaris and Mark Cumberland is proudly being provided by the Philadelphia Federal Credit Union. Not here for our profit, here for yours. Deanne and Mark will have more in a moment, but first, a message from one of our home team partners, Green Tree Mortgage. How much do you qualify for? Ask Deanne now at MortgageMom.net. All right, welcome back to Good News in Real Estate here on Talk Radio 1210, WPHT, all positive all the time. So where are we at, Deanne? 
So, Mark, we are up to our topic of the day, which is when is a cash offer a real cash offer? Yeah, and there's some confusion about all this because, you know, there's ensuing conversations, these agents, and they always follow a similar pattern. The agents explain that the buyer waived the mortgage contingency, which is why the agent and the seller assumed that it's a cash deal because they didn't check the box that there's going to be a mortgage. And, you know, but after some questions and discussion, it turns out that in almost all the instances, the buyer didn't actually say they intended to pay cash. They just didn't certainly write into the offer that they were not paying cash. It was just an assumption made by the seller and the listing agent. Well, and I can I can see this happening a lot. Yeah, but this is the this is my this is the point. When you check that box that they're waiving the mortgage contingency, it says it right on the contract that the buyer can still show up with financing. Right. It literally says that. I know that. But they, they a lot of agents, they don't pick this up or the seller just takes for granted. That's the problem with it is. So waiving the contingency doesn't mean the buyer is promising cash, not getting financing. Waiving in the contingency means the buyer surrenders to protections provided by the contingency. Right. They could so lose their deposit if they don't get financing. No more, no less. In fact, the contingency language itself says this sale is not contingent on mortgage financing, although the buyer may obtain mortgage financing and or parties may include an appraisal contingency. So as to the question about refusing access for the appraisals or the lender required inspections in the agreement of sale, you know, if they read it required by this agreement or by mortgage lenders, the seller will provide access to surveyors, municipal officials, appraisers, whatever, whether the mortgage contingency is waived or elected. So even if they say it's a cash deal and they still want to send in home inspectors or somebody from the township, they got to let them in. If the buyer is getting financing, the lender requires an appraisal of some sort of inspection. The seller has to agree to allow access. Failure to do so could be considered a breach by the seller. So when does a cash deal actually exist? Do the seller's rights and obligations change? A cash deal only exists when the parties explicitly agree in the agreement of sale that this deal is for cash without the buyer obtaining financing. Financing, yep. So you got to spell it out. Like we're not, we got, we're showing our buyer financial, we're showing in our bank account, we got 400 grand and we're bringing a cashier's check. That's a cash deal. Otherwise, just not checking that box doesn't make it exclusively a cash deal. And that's exactly, you know, with this, with my investor, I mean, that's exactly why we went through all these, you know, the addendums to make sure that the I's are dotted and the T's are crossed. And the only, we're going in as a cash deal. We're checking the box that we're waiving the mortgage contingency and the investor is guaranteeing that if for some reason this deal, he doesn't get the financing, that they back it with a cash, with cash, and they will close right. on the same day. And that's a, a true cash deal. The seller could probably refuse to allow an appraiser or an inspections that are not otherwise agreed to in a regular agreement of sale. But that sort of thing, you'd want to be sure to cover with whatever contract language is you yep. know, added to the agreement. Buyer agents should be frank with their clients about the risk of waiving mortgage 
mortgage contingencies, buyer agents should follow up with any conversation with something in writing about those risks. It's doubly true when making a true cash deal. You know, I would, a lot of people, like a lot of my, I've had people in the past, clients that said, I want to pay cash. And I'm like, why? Why do you want to tie up all that money, man? I mean, you can do something else with that money. Buy another duplex or a quad or something and let it pay for this. Why tie up 400,000 in cash that the only way you can get access to it is refi and pull cash out. Right. And then they go, and then a lot of times they go, oh, 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 I never thought of that one. No matter what kind of job they make, how much of your money, they're not real estate agents. And so, you know, and they don't think like that. No, it's true. And, and the other piece to that is, I mean, the seller doesn't care how you come to the table. They just want to close. They just want want their money. Whether you're coming. (laughs) As long as you show up. Yeah. Whether you're coming with, you know, the funds being wired or you're coming with a check and it doesn't matter because you still, even if you're buying a property for cash, you want to get an appraisal. You want to get a home inspection unless you're an investor and you're getting a good deal and you don't care. And it's like 60, $70,000. But if this is a house that you're going to live in as your primary residence, you, you need to do your, your due diligence. Yeah. I bought in, I bought properties that I flipped that the only thing I got was a termite cert. I just wanted to make sure there was no termites. Sure. Cause you know, but otherwise than that, I, I wasn't worried about a big home inspection cause it was a great deal. Right. Now yeah. that was a great topic. I'm glad you covered that. So, so Mark, coming up next is going to be um, our segment with Asking Dr. A, and his topic is going to be rules to flourish as a hybrid work team. Welcome, Dr. A. How are you, Dr. Abelson? Hi, guys. How are you guys? I'm doing wonderfully. Fabulous. We're good. It's, it's finally getting warmer in Philly. <laughs> uh-huh. well, come down and visit me in Austin anytime if you if you need some warmth. You're going to melt. Yeah, well. Yep, it's getting hot. So. So now let's continue with your topic we left off last week. Last time we talked about the need to effectively communicate, and we talked about several techniques to do that. All right, this week I want to talk about it's really important that you work hard to promote openness. A lot of groups say that they're open, but they don't demonstrate that because people have secrets, you know, and they keep things to themselves. And another thing is Openness deals with sharing things that you're frustrated with or you're upset about in the work team as well. I refer to these as hidden agendas. What happens, a lot of people keep things under the table. What it's important to do is to bring them on top of the table and actually look at them and talk about them and deal with them. Because that's the only one that you're going to, only way you're going to promote this openness. If not, well, the most dangerous, the most dangerous conversation is the one you don't have. That's right. That's right. It's it's kind of like they say you want to keep your your friends close, but your enemies, enemies closer. closer. That's right. Okay. Right. It, it's the same thing. Not that these people are enemies, but the idea is, in fact, if you have a really cohesive group, then there's even more of a tendency not to share negative things because people don't want to offend others. They don't want to. They don't want other people in the team to get angry with them or frustrated with them, but that's exactly when you need to share those things you disagree with. It's important to have this open conversation. You don't have to agree with everybody, right? But no. 
No. You need to. And not every day, and every idea, not every idea is a great idea. That's but right. At least you get to talk about it. Exactly. And then you can take a vote. Or what I like to do is I like to take a poll. If you take a vote, people assume that you're going to go with the majority. If you take a poll, you don't have to go with the majority if you're the leader. You can right. still do what you want to do. You just have additional information. So it's I a- had a meeting. I had a meeting with my team Friday and all my teachers. And one of my teachers brought up something that she thought we should be doing. It was a great idea. Now, if she would have thought I was Mr. High D and I, everything I said was going to go, she wouldn't have said that. That's right. But because I, I learned from you that that's not good leadership. Exactly. And you're warm and, and fuzzy. You- I am very warm and fuzzy. Everybody knows that's not true, but you're still a good leader. All right. So the the other thing is to reward people when they share their ideas. And and I'm not talking about money. I'm talking about that was a great idea if they're high theoretical or boy, that's really going to save us time and money if they're high utilitarian or whatever is their motivation and what drives their behavior. And then when you do that, it's a reward in and of itself. And people start sharing more that way. And they're going to be much more open with what they're thinking. If one person gets an idea out like that, and then I shut up. And then they my my group, they start coming up with great ideas. And it turns out for me, they start taking the 80% off my plate. And then I'm even happier. They're a very famous uh, movie. looked at Kennedy with the Bay of Pigs fiasco and then what happened with the Cuban missile strike uh, missile situation and he was there with the with the Bay of Pigs and everybody's looking for him, to him for answers and he left and let them to discuss things with the missile crisis issue and they came up with a much better solution with exactly. not there right so sometimes it's good for the leader to right. not be there and but come back and then help them make the final decision. So if you want more information about this, or if you want to bring us in to help you with your team, whether it's a hybrid team or not, just contact me at Abelson, A-B-E-L-S-O-N, at A-B-E-L-S-O-N.net. They were all great ideas. Everything we just talked about could make a company a lot of money. Absolutely. Thank you, Dr. A. Thanks, Dr. Abelson. You're welcome. All right. If you have any questions, you can email them to Mark at 8029 at Comcast.net or give him a call at 267-266-5501. You can also email me at Deanne Katsaris at Comcast.net or give me a call at 609-605-7153. Comcast told me the other day I've been with them for 22 years. That's why <laughs> That's why my email is 8029 8029- my address. Oh my God. Anyway, a special thanks to all of our listeners and our sponsors for helping us stay on the air for 13 years here at Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. We're looking for a couple of sponsors. If you want to join our team, we're on every Saturday, one o'clock. And with that, have a great week. I'm Mark Cumberland. I'm Deanne Katsaris, your mortgage mom. You've been listening to Good News in Real Estate on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. All All positive. positive. All All the time. Thanks for listening to Good News in Real Estate, a Jacob Media production. If you're interested in learning more about the power of the radio hour, contact Joe Krause at 267-261-3428. This program is a paid commercial announcement and does not reflect the views of WPHD or its management. Today's program has been pre-recorded.